Hello, Virginia Heffernan here. What you're about to hear is a teaser for today's episode of Trumpcast, which is available in full for Slate Plus members only. See how tempted you are now to sign up for Slate Plus? We've made one in four episodes exclusive to Slate Plus members because they help support the work we do on Trumpcast and help fund other Slate podcasts like Slow Burn and Charged. To sign up and hear this episode and every episode of Trumpcast in full, please visit slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. It's only $35 for the first year. That is Zlotty's a day. And you'll get other benefits like ad-free podcasts and discounted tickets to live Slate events. So sign up now at slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. And thanks for listening. Welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Before we start, hey, have you gotten your Slate Day tickets yet? Head to slate.com slash live for tickets to our day-long bash of podcasts. Trumpcast, Political Gab Fest, Mom and Dad are Fighting, and so many more. June 8th in New York City. We'll have on our portion of the show at 7 p.m., Vicki Ward, the author of Kushner, Inc., and the hilarious Aparna Nancherla. Go to slate.com slash live for tickets now, they're going fast. Okay, so there were some years I waited to hear Monica Lewinsky's voice. And for the past two years, I have waited to hear Robert Mueller's voice. And finally, yesterday at 11 a.m., the Oracle spoke. Mueller's voice, it turns out, is less melodic than Lewinsky's. And I know some were disappointed that he spoke softly and didn't deliver Henry V theatrics. But I appreciated that he sounded like an actual Oracle, which is to say whiskey tango Foxtrot. This is going to take some Greek chorus and Talmudic chorus and Jesuitical chorus, a big interfaith group of interpreters to ever understand what Mueller was saying yesterday. So Mueller's address would have a precedent that it would seem to be Delphi, home of the first oracle. Once a civilian asked the oracle whether he should go to war and the oracle replied, go, return, not die in war. But the punctuation wasn't forthcoming. So did he, she, the oracle mean, go, return, not die in war? Or go, return, not die in war? We have the same damn situation with Mueller. Did he say Congress should take over the investigation? Did he say he would have indicted Trump for obstruction, except he's not allowed to? Or did he somehow confirm odious Bill Barr's statement that he, Mueller, declined to indict Trump because the case wasn't there? Go, return, not die in war. Go, return, not die in war. (sighs) Maybe we'll never know. Or maybe we will. Matt Miller, former Justice Department flack and best ever freestyle non-JD lawyer, you can find him opining on MSNBC and Twitter, is with me today to help me understand what happened when Mueller broke his silence yesterday and what's going to happen next. Hey, welcome to Trumpcast, Matt. Thanks for having me. It is so good to have you back. I want to know what you thought of yesterday's pronouncement from the Sphinx from Robert Mueller, who called a press conference. It's really hard to know what to call a talk by a man that's so reticent. 
Yeah, and reporters will tell you it's not a press conference if you don't take questions. Um, so maybe not ah. a press conference, but a public statement or public statement. You want to call it. Yeah, that's right. And on YouTube, you can find video of him addressing Tabor Academy at some, with some kind of <laughs> commencement address, and that's basically as close as any of the proletariat can get to hearing him speak. But yesterday, we heard his actual voice um, and his words and his manner, and I want to hear what you thought of it. Yeah, and uh, let me just say something first about the decision to do it, which in, in its own right, I think was kind of significant. And I, and I say that as someone who it kind of inflates my own uh, importance to say I worked with him because I ran the press office and he was running the FBI. It's not like we were <laughs> peers or anything. Yeah. But when I when I was you know running the press office, I would regularly try to convince him or try to get the people that worked for him to convince him to do press conferences because we'd have mm-hmm. these big moments um, where we thought the FBI director's credibility and not just the credibility, you know, not just the credibility inherent in that job, but the credibility that Bob Mueller, G-Man, carried, yeah. um, would be useful for the message that we were trying to send on terrorism or white collar enforcement or whatever it was. Yeah. And it was just always no. I mean, just always. He didn't want to do it. He kind of, I think, marshaled all of his credibility that he had and used it to speak through his actions and never wanted to use it to, you know, to, to actually speak through words. And I think under the theory that he somehow diminished his credibility when he did that. And I also think partly is just this old school kind of Brahmin thing. He just doesn't enjoy the spotlight. So it's I a think speak it, softly and carry a big stick that, kind of approach. A, a very I mean, big stick. Because obviously he likes he likes the power. I mean, how could he not? But he's the rare figure in 2019 who doesn't want to be on television in, make, yeah. in clown makeup like the rest of us. Hey, don't make fun of that. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with wanting to be on television and clown makeup. Um, um, what? <laughs> Wait, but I, I, I want to ask for a specific example um, when you were at DOJ of a time that you thought that he could give some gravitas to a point you wanted to make about the about the work of the FBI and th- where they declined, because that will give us some better sense about why he didn't decline this time. If that oh, makes any sense. it was constant. It was uh, anytime we had a big terrorism arrest or a big takedown, and we'd do these big takedowns of, of narcotics traffickers. We would do hacking press conferences. We would mm-hmm. do um, big takedowns of white collar criminals. Mm-hmm. And it was just a constant no. I think I recall him showing up once or twice, uh, but but almost never. We would always get some lower level figure from the FBI because he just didn't want to do it. He mm-hmm. would basically show up to testify to Congress a couple times a year because he had to. And that, yeah. was, that was about it in terms of, of public appearances by the director. Now, you know, somehow we like to see that as 9D chess or, you know, we can just pour all of our thoughts into Mueller as an oracle or as some Solomonic, you know, superhuman judge. But I got the sense yesterday that a little bit of it is garden variety shyness. Yeah, it, it, I, I I know what I know why you're saying that. I think he seemed a little halting in mm-hmm. um, in his remarks. I don't know that it was shyness because I've okay. never really seen him to be a shy person. Yeah, um, it might be a little rustiness. Just not done a public yeah, performance yeah, in, yeah. in a little while, and. He's also a little older than he was last time we all saw him publicly. True. The, you know, the, the one person who did throw out a question at the end, and I'm not sure who that was, but he stood as if he was going to take questions in <laughs> yeah. spite of the fact he said he wasn't going to. And someone threw out a question, as I hope anyone would have done, th- thinking, well, maybe he changed his mind because he was still standing there. And there was a certain kind of abashedness, sweetness. but Deer I mean, in the he, headlights. 
deer in the headlights. <laughs> but also he was not Sarah Sanders. No questions, no questions. You know, he was, I'm done. I'm out. He acknowledged that he had given a mixed message by staying up on stage. Not to parse this far too closely, but I thought that was an interesting moment. Yeah, and that was one you often see with public officials. I used to tell Eric Holder and all the other DOJ and FBI officials when I worked there, you know, I would shout last question as the press person in the side of the room. And after that, you take one more question and then you turn the stage and you walk off. And if you don't walk off, anything that happens after that is your responsibility. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you mess up, if you take a bad question after I've told you not to, that's on you. And you could tell he just had almost like forgotten, turn and walk off right away. That was our preview. Aren't you compelled to hear more? You can. Just sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to listen to the full episode and get all our podcasts without ads. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.